Betty, when you hear that song, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball with Jamie Rutsky. And yes, sorry, Bob, I don't know how light it's going to get, but we're going to have a good time today looking back at the first almost three weeks of the season. Who are the surprise good guys? Who are the surprise bad guys? And uh, what the economics are showing from the Forbes report that was just listed. Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Who are the teams that should be ashamed of themselves? And who are the teams that should be patting themselves on the back for putting out a bad product but making a lot of money? I think we know who that's going to be, but we'll have to wait and see when we analyze this list here in the next hour. So that's kind of what we're going to be looking at. And uh, we will be looking at uh, the 15th podcast. Yes, sorry, Bob, the 15th, and you know what that means. That means we're going to look at the number 15s that are famous, the number 15s with the White Sox, and uh, number 15s that might come to mind for some of the listeners. They can respond and uh, contact us on the call-in show that might be starting up in the next month or two. We don't know. We don't know if we'll ever have a sponsor. We don't know if we're going to have a bigger format a bigger audience, or a call-in show, but we do know we're going to have fun. We always do, and uh, we've got the benefit of having a few games in the book and things like that. So let's talk about my favorite teams that we follow, starting with the uh, four that, that you know all about. That would be the Cubs, the Royals, the Brewers, and the White Sox. As of today... The White Sox and the Royals are really pathetic. I mean, they're going to be in a new category that this show follows to see how good our accurate predictions were of pathetic teams. And so the bottom, we're going to call it the bottom five report because what teams have absolutely no chance whatsoever of getting in the playoffs, or even finishing above 500. As of today, and consistent with the predictions before, the Florida Marlins are absolutely the most pathetic team in baseball, and the Cubs barely squeaked out a win, winning last night 7-2. to You Darvish, yes, folks, one of the favorites of this show, Hugh Darvish won his second game of his Cubs career. Yes, that puts him at about $60 million per win, and we're not even including the entire amount of his contract. Yes, Theo, that was a great deal. Now, one of the deals that everybody's been pretty upset about with Theo was the Jason Hayward deal, but let me tell you what. Jay Hay Kidd has had some great times with the Chicago Cubs, including the World Series in 2016, 2017, not so good, 18, not great, but better. 2019, Jay Hay is off to a great start. He's fun to watch, and we're going to go back and talk a little bit about the Cubs in more detail because we have seen a few games. My tickets that I didn't give away are 3-0. That's right, 3-0. Now, I'm not saying I was at all three of those games, but we did go to opening day, 10-0 win. We did see the Cubs beat the Pirates and in a game that was so cold and rainy that I didn't go to, and it lasted about six hours. Uh, the Cubs squeaked out that. Also, believe I saw the Cubs beat the Angels on Friday, and that was a fun game. Saturday, they came back and played like the Cubs. Sunday, it got snowed out. Yeah, the weather in April was not pathetic. So here's Chicago. It's 70 degrees on opening day, which was April the 8th. 70 degrees. There was, it was the most comfortable day at Wrigley maybe ever. The next day in Chicago... My buddy Bruce and I venture over to the south side to Guaranteed Rate Park or Guaranteed Rate Field or whatever it's called. Weather wasn't bad. It was in the 60s. Wasn't much wind coming off the lake. Uh, the crowd, if they were honest and actually counted people, there were not counting the vendors, 
probably a thousand people in the stands to watch what I thought was the most boring game I'd seen for a while. But that night I had dinner with Dwayne Stats, who's the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, and he told me that Monday was even worse. And I'm telling you what, that was some lethargic baseball, bad baseball from the White Sox standpoint. Now the Cubs took advantage of the snowed out day to maybe slip back to a four-man rotation. Hamels is hot. Quintana had a great game uh, the other day when they won back-to-back games for the first time all year. They beat the Pirates on Thursday. They beat the Angels on Friday. Cole Hamels had a great game Friday that we saw. Quintana had a great game. And that leaves us to Hugh Darvish, who struggles still. He can't find the plate, but he did manage to pitch into the sixth inning last night for the first time, so that that's encouraging. And Hendricks, who just got a $55 million extension, has basically been throwing batting practice for each and every one of his outings. BP, his velocity is never above 88, and if he's not painting the corners and getting calls by the umpires on the outside part of that plate down and away, Hendricks is in deep trouble, as has been proven out over the course of the last three times he's gone out. But he'll probably uh, pitch again. I think he's due to pitch tonight. And then tomorrow, Quintana, and then the Cubs come home to take on the uh, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then they have another off day, so I think they're going to be able to uh, hopefully get Lester back here pretty quick. So if you have Lester, Hamels, Quintana, and... Darvish slash Hendricks slash maybe Montgomery gets off the DL. Uh, the Cubs should be able to climb back up. They're only three games below 500 now, winning their sixth game of the year out of uh, the 15 they've played. I would have to say that even though the Cubs don't make it into my bottom five, they do make it into one of my five teams that had the absolute most disappointing start you could have. But let me remind you, the Mets got off to an incredible start in May and then tanked. So you really don't have to win April and May, but you have to uh, pick up the pace here a little bit because the Cardinals are way better than I thought so far. And uh, the Brewers the Brewers have a great offense, but man, their their pitching's pretty thin too. So I look for the Central Division champs to be right around 90 wins, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. So let me talk a little bit about the bottom five here right now, and that was inspired, believe it or not, by an article that I cut out of the Chicago Tribune back in October of 1979. And uh, yeah, I'm, I think I was just out of the military. I was starting to practice law in the civilian world. And, uh, you know, lawyers, or young lawyers really don't know what's going on. Maybe old lawyers don't know what's going on. But this guy wrote an article called The Bottom Ten. And it was hilarious. And I cut it out because whenever I got sort of depressed, I would go back and, and read this article. And he would feature things that were terrible. And, like, for example... He goes, one of the threats made by Arizona State's Boosters Club after firing the head coach, Frank Cush, was that it would cut off funds for a new golf course for the school. Well, that was not a good idea. The, uh, another deal was uh, in Los Angeles, it was hard to tell whether the Rams were more embarrassed by the beating suffered by the quarterback, Pat Hayden, who was sacked five times by San Diego, or the chartreuse goalposts on their home field. The, um, he would list the bottom 10 schools, and at that time, the worst school was Oregon State. Penn was next. Columbia, Florida, Air Force, Harvard, Colorado, Illinois, etc. You get the picture. He would list the crummy game of the week, and in this instance, it was Army versus Boston College. But what really got me uh, laughing hysterically was his comment, how to stop a streak. And he said, about the only bright spot for Air Force this year was Jim Sterk's 
string of 11 consecutive field goals, which was nearing the NCAA record. Then, in a recent lopsided loss to Notre Dame, Sturch was asked to kick a 56-yarder into an 8-mile-an-hour wind, 18-mile-an-hour wind. The ball landed on the 12-yard line, and so did his streak. So, you know, was it funnier back in 1979? Maybe. Maybe you don't think it's that funny. I think it's kind of funny. And uh, I keep that article for some reason. I still have it. And I pull it out. And for my bottom five, which is going to be a feature all the time, kind of like Harper versus Machado. And right now, they're both doing pretty badly. I mean, Harper's doing a little better, but none of them are hitting 300. And, uh, you know, I love it. I think uh, the only thing surprising, and I guess I can have my most surprising teams, the five most surprising good way teams, would be, and not in any particular order, Tampa Bay, maybe number one, Minnesota, Number two, the Padres are an excitingly surprising team at 11-7. and seven. The Mets are surprisingly good, although uh, I sort of predicted that. And then the Cardinals aren't bad, which is a surprise to me. Now, the bad teams, the bottom five teams, and number five would be the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I really thought with the addition of some of the guys that got not only in the outfield, but on their pitching staff, they'd be better. Well, so far they only lead the league in fines and suspensions when Puig couldn't control his temper and they got booted. Uh, Number four bad would be Colorado, off to a miserable start. Number three bad would be the Boston Red Sox. They're a joke right now, and uh, why they don't have Kimbrell, only Dombrowski knows. The number two bad team would be the uh, Chicago White Sox tied with the Kansas City Royals for a bad team. And, of course, the worst team in baseball brought to you by Derek Jeter and his cast of outcasts. And let me trade away some of the best players in the world because I'm sure these prospects that I've never heard of will do well. The Miami Marlins or the Florida Marlins, whatever the heck the team's called, they're four and thirteen as of today. They've won two out of their last ten games. The run differential is thirty-nine. We're not even three weeks into the season, and the run differential for those Miami dudes is thirty-nine. They have no shot at the playoffs. The White Sox and the Royals have no shot at the playoffs. The Reds have no shot at the playoffs. And so what do you do if you're a fan of those teams? Detroit's off to an okay start. They're 8-7, and seven, but they don't have any shot. The surprisingly worst team, I suppose, are the Cleveland Indians, who are 9-7 and seven, but got swept by the Royals, who I think are in the top three bad teams of baseball. And interestingly, they all just plug along. And so what's the draw? The hot dogs? The cotton candy? Bring the kids out to run the bases, I guess. Baseball's crowds have taken kind of a funny turn in the last five to ten years. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't think baseball or the quality of baseball is what everybody's looking at. At least that's been what I've learned over the last three weeks watching uh, the teams that I've been watching. But um, the, the bad teams just are bad and the good teams are really nobody's surprising anybody except for the uh, Rays. And uh, they have a fun team. And I bet at the beginning of the year I didn't know anybody on their team, but I do now. I mean, I don't know them personally, but I do know them. And uh, I think that they are going to be uh, contenders. As Austin Meadows, one of the three great players they got for Chris Archer is tearing it up. Uh, Garcia from the White Sox 
is tearing it up now for his new team, Tampa Bay. And uh, those are the sort of the fun things. The uh, Let's look at the, the guys that have gotten off to a hot start that are uh, leading the league in the top ten hitters. This might surprise some people. Tim Anderson of the White Sox is leading the major leagues with a .453 average as of uh, today, two days before the three-week anniversary of this season. Bellinger of the Dodgers is second. Polanco with the Twins, a surprising team. The Twins are for real, and with the Indians going south, the Twins are looking like they could be uh, contenders in the Central Division for the American League. Grandal, who you know is a great hitter for the Dodgers, and nice with the Brewers, and really has had some struggles offensively, is hitting 417. McNeil with the Mets, and the Mets are off to a good start. Hitting 404. Rendon is reminding folks why they don't need Bryce Harper. He's hitting 400. Santana, 400. Andrus with the Rangers, sitting 397. LeMayhew. Why'd the Cubs get rid of this guy? I mean, he was great with the Rockies, and now look what he's doing with the, with the Yankees. And they need him. Mike Trout, 382. There's a name that'll be there for all season long. Peralta with the D backs. Eh. Austin Meadows hitting 357, and uh, look at Yelich at 354. The Jay Hay kid with the Cubs 349, and Freddie Freeman 345. Martinez, I mean somebody's hitting, and uh, it's it's those guys with home runs. Uh, Chris Davis of the Athletics has 10. Chris Davis of the Orioles got his first home run of the year after he got his first hit of the year. In fact, he had not had a hit since the middle of September last year. Went like a record 63 plate appearances. Uh, Bellinger, Yelich, Altuve, Jay Bruce, Goldschmidt, Peterson, Alonzo, Wilson Contreras with six homers, Mancini, Austin Meadows, Moustakas with six. Let's look at... Uh, RBIs, Santana, Bellinger, Yelich, Davis, Swanson, who just got a nice new contract extension. Obviously not a Scott Boris client. Alonzo, Meadows, Rendon. Now, my favorite category. Let's look at runs scored in the players. Bellinger, Hanniger with the Mariners, who are off to a hot start. They went to Japan, won two games. They came back to the U.S., and they're still hot. Rendon, Mancini, Yelich, DeJong, Peterson, Simeon, Comforto, Freeman, McCutcheon. Let's look at the uh, teams, and let's look at the team stats. Who's in first place? Seattle Mariners. They've scored 130 runs. Now, you might think, hey, this isn't rocket science, Uretsky. This is like you score runs, you win. This is true. The Dodgers are in second place, but they're on the rise Oakland's in third, the Mets in fourth, the Cubs in fifth, the Brewers sixth, Diamondbacks, Phillies, Cardinals, Rangers. There you have the top. Who's the best hitting average-wise? The Astros, the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Diamondbacks, the Twins. Who's got the most RBIs? The Mariners, the Dodgers, the Athletics, the Mets, the Cubs, the Brewers, etc., etc. So, is it early? Yeah. Can you get a little feel for who's going to... Uh, be there at the end of the season, you bet. I think that right now uh, in the Central League, as we said, the Brewers, the Cubs, and the Cardinals will probably be going down to the wire. In the uh, Central, in the East Division of the National League, the Mets and the uh, Cardinal, or the Mets and the Phillies and the Nats will be there. In the West. You gotta like the Diamondbacks, you gotta like the Dodgers, and you like the Padres, maybe. I don't know. That's a funny division. Um, but I'm gonna like San Diego. I'm putting them on my list. So I'm gonna follow the Cubs, the White Sox, the Royals, the Brewers, and the Padres. Now, even though I'm not the biggest Machado fan, I do like Hosmer and I do like Myers, who just hit his 100th home run. Pretty cool. And, uh, uh, you know, all these guys were with the, most of these guys were with the Royals. It's amazing when you look at who these teams get rid of, Derek Jeter, 
I mean, what are you thinking? Again, goes back to Goldschmidt and the D-backs. How do you get rid of these guys? Why do you get rid of these guys? The better question is, why do you own a Major League Baseball team if you're going to get rid of these guys? And that's what the Royals did. They gave away their uh, World Series team from 2015. Just gave them all away. Musakos, Hosmer, um, Kane, you name it. They're gone. Musakos is with the Brewers and... Hosmer is happy with the Padres. Who wouldn't be? Now, uh, as for towns that you want to play in, I mean, really, I know Chicago is my hometown, but, man, April and May can be nasty places to play baseball. Snow, rain, chills. Let's play, let's play baseball in 30 degrees after we've been in Arizona for a month. That makes a lot of sense. So, Anyway, that's kind of uh, the scoop. So let's look at the uh, Forbes study that uh, lists the uh, most valuable uh, teams. And what we're going to do is look at the teams with the top 10 values and the teams with the top bottom 10 values. The most valuable team, not to the surprise of anybody, are the New York Yankees followed by the Dodgers the Red Sox, the Cubs, and the Giants. And you'll remember the Giants were one of my picks at the beginning of the year to not have a shot at getting into the playoffs, and they're seemingly doing the same thing. Six through ten would be the Mets, the Cardinals, the Angels, the Phillies, and the Astros. The bottom ten would be in 30th, Miami, followed by Tampa Bay, followed by the Royals, followed by Cincinnati, followed by Oakland, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Colorado, and Detroit. So that's the value of those teams. Now let's look at the operating income uh, or the revenue. Yeah, let's look at the income. All right. Operating income... The most profitable team, or the team with the most operating income, the Dodgers, followed by the Phillies, followed by the Cubs. Now, let's look at those. Let's look at those teams. The Dodgers did a lot to try to improve on their year, and they spent some of that ninety-five million dollar revenue income. The Phillies were the team that won the offseason by a long shot and also have Arietta, who the Cubs should have signed instead of Hugh Darvish, but hindsight's great. The Cubs had an operating income of $87 million. Yes, they have a pretty high payroll, but they did nothing in the offseason. They spent nothing. They had to go get Craig Kimbrell. They should have gotten a few other players. Remember at the beginning I talked about my father and I had two things that were really in common, one a love of baseball and one a love of gin rummy. And I said, hey, you know, who in the world would want to do a podcast about gin rummy? Well, in gin rummy, if you just, and the same's true, I suppose, in uh, maybe in blackjack, I don't know. If you just sit pat and don't move your cards around or take a risk, you're not going to do anything. Well, that's the deal with the Cubs. They need to have moved their hand around to try to improve. And instead, they kept Almora, they kept um, Hap, they kept Schwarber, they kept Russell so far, they kept Baez and Bryant. Now, one or two of these guys should be gone. Hap is down in the minor leagues, but he won't be there for the whole time. And you need to either get rid of one of these five, Bryant, Baez, Schwarber, Almora, or Russell when he comes on the active list. Now, nobody's going to get rid of Baez, and nobody's going to get rid of Bryant, and probably nobody's going to get rid of Schwarber. But that leaves Russell, Almora, Hap as guys that they should have packaged up and gotten rid of. And yeah, this this podcast seems to focus more on, you know, certain teams, and the Cubs are one of them because I pay more attention to them. So moving on to the Forbes revenue list, the Giants 
made $84 million and finished in sad shape. The Red Sox made $84 million, and that's a pretty good deal, and they used their money wisely. And here's the team that I was talking about in the opening, the team owned by my friend Jerry Reinsdorf. They made $76 million in operating. The Braves were close behind. The Brewers made 66, and uh, that's a pretty profitable team. In the bottom of the of the list, you have the Marlins again. They lost 22 million. The Blue Jays lost 16 million. The Orioles lost six and a half. The Royals claim they made 5.3. The D-backs made 10. Twins 14, etc., etc. So. Um, you know, in the top of the list of the uh, revenue producers, you have um, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Giants, the Cubs, the Astros, the Cardinals, the Angels, the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets and the Nationals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of those revenue producers from nine. From 2018, who's going to get in the playoffs? I predict, number one, the Yankees. Number two, the Dodgers. Number three, the Red Sox. Number five, the Cubs. Number six, the Astros. Number seven, the Cardinals. Number nine, uh, the Braves. Number 10, the Phillies. Number 11, the Mets. And uh, that'll do it. I don't think that we have any more teams that we can get into those guys. But... Let's look at the uh, payrolls of 2019 as it stands at this particular point. The Red Sox have the highest 25-man payroll, 198. What's well, 198 million? The Cubs, 164 million. They're in second place. The Yankees are in third with 126 million. The Dodgers are in fourth. The Giants 5th, the Cardinals 6th, the Nationals 7th, the Astros 8th, the Angels ninth, the Mets 10th. The league average is $134 million. And so you'll remember my point being that everybody should be within 20% at the minimum. And so that would be everybody should be at $106 million or above. Who's not? Well, in last place, the Tampa Bay Rays are at $49 million, looking like at this point the bang for the buck award goes to them. The Miami Marlins are 20, they're the next place in 29th place, $69 million. The Orioles, $51 million. The Pirates, $54 million. The A's are below at 84 The White Sox, Jerry's doing it again, $87 million. The Royals, $67 million. The Padres, $61 million. How do you figure that with uh, Machado? I don't know. That's hocus-pocus. Maybe this came out before Machado. The Blue Jays, 55 The Braves, 91 The Tigers, 91 The Indians, 103 The Twins, Diamondbacks, all the Reds, the Rangers, all below the friggin' league average. That's, that's ridiculous. They should all have to have a payroll above the league average. And so of those teams that are paying the most, who's going to be in the playoffs? I think the Red Sox, Cubs, Yankees, Dodgers, Cardinals, Astros, uh, Mets, and uh, probably the Phillies. So who's not of the top of the league average, above the league average, who's not going to get in the playoffs? I predict the... Um, Giants won't get in the playoffs, the Nationals won't get in the playoffs, the Angels won't get in the playoffs, and the Rockies won't get in the playoffs. Other than that, as I said, and we'll see how it holds out, 70%, that's seven of the top ten teams, payroll-wise, will get in the playoffs. So those seven teams would be the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Astros, and the Mets. Those are seven of the top ten. I predict they're, they're a shoe-in to win. And so that's, uh, that's kind of where the money is. And again, the White Sox are the team that pays the less and makes the most in terms of bang for their buck award followed by 
Billy Bean and the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays if they continue to do what they're doing um, they're going to be right there with the bang for the buck award now remember the rules are a little different this year when it comes to July that's the deadline for any type of a non-waiver deal or waiver deal you as I understand the new rule can't make a trade uh, after July 31st uh, and so I, I haven't seen whether or not in particular the uh, playoff rosters will have to be set July 31st, but I mean it makes sense, and so we'll continue to check that out. Anyway, uh, that's the end of this segment, looking at where we're at, where we're going, and where the money is, and uh, when we come back, I'll talk a little bit about that first week and where I went and what you can do to kind of trace that same easy-to-do between Kansas City, Chicago, and Milwaukee, what you can do on a, you know, basically a weekend or four days, see all four of those ballparks and have a great experience doing it. So what are we talking about? Uh, basically, it's what I did for the first week of the Cubs homestand and the first week of Royals baseball. And uh, what I did was go to opening day at the K. Then I went to Wrigley Field. Um, then I went to Sox Park. And in between that, out of sequence, I went to Milwaukee. Now, you got the K. You got Miller Park, which is soon to be American Family Field. You've got guaranteed raid field or park, and uh, you've got uh, Wrigley Field. So let's first talk about the amenities in all of those ballparks because I think that's important to this show. I like amenities, mostly concession stands. The Royals have improved their concessions. They've improved a lot of the things for kids to do at the ballpark. They've got like a carnival in left field. They have the Royals Hall of Fame, which is very cool. And they have great seats. And most seats are available because they don't draw that well because their team is pathetic. This Boxberger guy is pathetic. He's blown save after save after save after save. So what is Dayton Moore doing? This team is tanked. And uh, it's, it's bad. As a season ticket holder, I can express my gripes because I have many with the Ned Yost and Dayton Moore and all the rest of these guys. They've, they've got some good players that are fun to go watch. Brad Keller's off to a good start. Um, Hunter Dozier's looking pretty good. Merrifield's good. So are these guys trade baits or guys to give away for prospects later on? I hope not. I mean, let's start trying to win pennants, not just win, you know, how much money you can make. Anyway, um, David Glass ought to sell the team and get somebody who wants to dump some money into making the Royals what they ought to be. And uh, even though he's gotten the Royals at the World Series twice, um, he just flunks the test, in my opinion. And one of the tests... Uh, you know, is what are you doing to try to win? And I would say nothing. Um, but anyway, I digress and get grumpy. Should be on the grumpy side of baseball, I suppose, instead of the lighter side of baseball. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But, I mean, early in the year, you really don't have a lot to talk about. Nobody's doing anything spectacular. And so, anyway, there's Kansas City. It's worth a trip to Kansas City. You got the Negro League Museum in Kansas City, where I'd like to do a podcast from. You've got the best barbecue in the world. Uh, the top barbecue would be, in my opinion, Arthur Bryant's. And then you got Oklahoma Joe's, which is now Joe's of Kansas City, I think. You've got LC's Barbecue on the way from the Plaza, which is a great shopping and dining and drinking area. You can take the road uh, right past LC's, get some unbelievably great barbecue. Now, 
a caution when you go in, watch out because the floors are pretty slippery from all the fat that is burned off of the barbecue. And once in a while, the health department might shut them down. But I'm telling you what, it's worth the risk. LC's barbecue is great. Nobody's going to bark at my top three. Again, Bryant's number one, Oklahoma Joe's number two, LC's number three. For you yuppies who like upscale barbecue, Q39 is probably in fourth place. And uh, Gates has pretty good food. Gotta say, the best dish out of all those places is the beans and brisket that you can find in Martin City at Jack Stack Barbecue. Tough to beat. And then you go out and tailgate at Royal Stadium at some of the best tailgating around. And you can go to the World War I Museum after you go to the Negro League Museum. So now I've planned a weekend for you in Kansas City, which is as good as it gets. And there are some other dives that we can talk about later. The flea market has the best burgers in the world. And now I'm getting hungry and I'm trying to be on my Joe DiMaggio diet. And so... Let's get back to my second stop so far this year, and that was Milwaukee, Miller Park. Now, you know Nellie was up there. Uh, I did a podcast number 13 with Craig Kashan. I'm going to do another podcast with Craig uh, as June 20th, Dave's birthday approaches when they give out the Dave Nelson Award in Milwaukee. Uh, So I have strong feelings for the Brewers, Tyler Barnes, who is, you know, one of the high-ranking dudes there. Um, He's a good friend that I met through Dave. But Selig was a witness uh, that I put on in a lawsuit over an aborted sale of the Kansas City Royals. And uh, that was a victory for the Royals against the plaintiffs who were trying to move the team to Canada. And... uh, we can do a podcast on that later because that was really pretty cool. But Bud Selig, who bought the Seattle Pilots franchise, put them in Milwaukee, owned the Brewers for a long time, and then became commissioner of uh, Major League Baseball, as you all know. Good guy, good witness, and a good baseball team, uh, although he doesn't own them anymore. But Miller Park, back to Miller Park. Okay, again, Miller Park is... Uh, Mostly sports service, which is my preferred concessionaire. But they are getting away from sports service and more into independently running concessions, which seems to be the norm. Everybody seems to be trying to figure out where they can scrape extra money. Teams are buying back minor league teams, which the Brewers are doing. They're going to their own concessions, which the Brewers are doing. And... They are changing the naming rights from Miller Park to American Family Field, I guess, American Family Insurance. And uh, the Brewers are also trying to do what the Cubs do, I'm sure, and come up with their own television network, which for every team right now is in a state of flux because all the Fox Midwest, Fox North, Fox East, Fox West have been sold to ESPN, Disney, with an order to divest themselves of that sale within six months. So the bidding is rampant. Some teams, like the Cubs, are going to have their own streaming of their own broadcasts, and uh, they'll maximize more revenue. Hey, 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 spend that money on Craig Kimbrell or somebody. Come on. Trout's out of the market. Harper's out of the market. Machado's out of the market. Back to Miller Park. Miller Park, with the roof open, And the tailgate parties, there's really no better place. Numero uno that I've been to. With the roof closed, it's a little dark and a little dreary in there. Sorry, boys. It just is. And so I don't think it's great with the roof closed, but it is great with the roof open. And it only takes like five minutes to close the roof, so they can have it open and if it rains, they can close it in five minutes with minimal minimal uh, damage. And they've got tarps. You know, every team in baseball is required to have a tarp. Did you know that? It doesn't matter if you're the Toronto Blue Jays playing in whatever, it's the Rogers Center 
whatever it is, they have to have a tarp. Explain that one to me. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, everybody. uh, Heck, I haven't been to Arizona. I I think it's indoors. It's so hot there. Um, But wherever there's a baseball stadium for the major leagues, they have to have a tarp. Anyway, what made me think of that, I don't know. So you've got Miller Park. Let's talk about Miller Park, things to do. They have a lot of beer salesmen. They have a gigantic bar in the concourse above first base, which is pretty cool. They have decent concessions. They've gone to Johnsonville from Clements, and that would be a step up. But I don't know, man. I mean, it's just I'm not... I'm not seeing it with their concessions. It's just not, not good. Uh, number one, the uh, what they have done is instead of standing in an individual line and betting that your line will be faster than the line next door, this is a good thing. They have like a Disneyland line where everybody's in the same line and you wind around and then when there's an opening, you go there. So I think that makes sense. That's a pretty good deal. But... Um, you know, to serve so many people, and because they have such a diverse menu everywhere now, including Kansas City, the uh, staples, the hot dogs, the buns, the beer, I don't know, outrageously priced and kind of cold hot dogs and stale buns seem to be the the deal. But I'll get to that with when I get to Wrigley Field. But anyway, Miller Park's fun, it's beautiful, and especially in the summertime. So let's talk about Sox Park a little bit because these are all, you can get to Milwaukee from Chicago in about two hours driving because the road's under construction and just put on some music, put on this podcast and go to Milwaukee. And by the time a couple of these podcasts are over, you're at Miller Park. Or you can fly nonstop from Kansas City to Milwaukee and that's not a bad deal. So you got Kansas City, you got Miller Park. Now let's talk about, I'll call it Sox Park. You know, it's not Comiskey Park anymore. That's torn down. It's not the cell. That's gone because Cellular One didn't even operate in Chicago, I guess. Then they went to Guaranteed Rate Field, I guess field. And, um, you know, it's a, a park that they've made improvements to. When it opened, uh, if you had vertigo, you wouldn't want to go in the upper deck. It's gotten a little better. They have the best variety of concessions that I know of. But, man, if there aren't people there, it's just a a sorry state, and that's what, what I discovered. The food there, the team had kind of talked up this French fry booth. The French fries were cold and pretty average. And uh, the rest of the experience wasn't so good. But in fairness to sports service and in fairness to Mr. Reinsdorf, <clears throat> I'm going to try to go to Sox Park every month and see how it changes. And then there's Wrigley Field. Now, Wrigley Field has done a few things that are good. When you walk in the the uh, area where you come in to left field, they have a nice little bar there that is sort of 10% of what Milwaukee has, but again, it's a little opportunity for people to socialize. They seem to have done away with all the little hot dog carts on the main level, but that's okay. I found out if you walk up about 60 steps, which gives you a little energy and burns off some calories, you can get to a hot dog stand that's sort of like the carts were, where you can actually see them cooking the hot dogs. And if you're smart, you'll get a hot dog bun in an Italian sausage, and the buns are softer than what they give you with the bun. And so that's a pretty good deal. So, you know, Brickleaf's food is getting a little better. I think Levy's the new concessionaire taking over from Aramark which bought Volume Service, which has the Royals. And, you know, it's just hard to find a good, well-prepared hot dog with a soft bun at these ballparks because they just make them so far in advance. The Cubs also on the second level up, if you go up the ramp from the lower level towards the press box, 
you got Garrett's popcorn, which is great. Now, it's overpriced, but what isn't? The beer's up to $10 in the stands for Bud Light or for Michelob Ultra. You know, you buy four beers and you tip your favorite vendor a couple bucks. That's 42 bucks a round. That's steep. How many 12-packs could you buy of Bud Light for 42 bucks? But it is Wrigley Field. And Wrigley's kind of fun. Take a lot of time to explore. They've got Gallagher Park, which is pretty cool. And again, you just sort of have to wander around. A few of my buddies that I go to a game with every year like to wander around. And uh, so we'll go, we'll have a beer, and then I won't see them for eight innings. And I'll go, where, where were you? And uh, they say, well, we're wandering around. So that's kind of the scoop on, on uh, where I've been. Where I'd like to go this year includes Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Philadelphia. So whether I get there or not, I think I will. I really think I will. And I'm going to uh, go to the Royal Stadium to a game, and hopefully it won't rain when they play the Rays. And I'm hoping to do a podcast with my friend, uh, Dwayne Stats, who is the play-by-play announcer, along with uh, another fellow who pitched for the Cleveland Indians, Brian Anderson, who's not the same B.A. that's with the Brewers, but he is pretty funny with Dwayne Stats. So Dwayne and I, as I said before, had a three-and-a-half-hour marathon dinner, and hopefully we'll be able to get together in Kansas City, maybe at JJ's for a nice little meal, and then a podcast. I think Dwayne will do it. I think he will. He seems to be in a position to be able to do that. So here we go. We didn't say too much about Nelly this time. I'm going to have a podcast here in the near future that talks more about Dave as we get closer to celebrating June 20th, the day that the Milwaukee Brewers are going to give away the first ever prestigious Dave Nelson Award for the person in that community that most emulates Dave's great community service that he was well known for. Uh, On a side note for Dave, the White Sox on their opening day also had tributes to some of their family of White Sox folks that had passed away during the past year. Jim Tomey's father, who was a great guy who I used to sit with at playoff games from 95 through 97 in Cleveland, a Peoria, Illinois guy, a really good good guy whose son, obviously, Jim, is in the Hall of Fame. Jim's a good guy. I really didn't hang with Jim, but I did hang with his dad enough to get to know him, and what a great guy. But they also did another tribute to uh, Dave Nelson, and as I was going to... Milwaukee, I caught Ed Farmer, the the White Sox play-by-play radio dude, and he was all choked up about the uh, the nice uh, comments they had about uh, Nelly. And I didn't realize, like with many people, uh, Farmer thought they were great friends, and you know maybe they were and maybe they weren't. But he was choked up uh, because he really liked Dave, like most other people. So. There you go. We're going to get more into baseball cards next time. We're going to get more into um, the chemistry stuff that I talked about before. And we're going to uh, you know, have a little fun with that because spark plugs, guys who charge up the team. The fans may not know who those spark plugs are. You know, we can only look at what we see on the field and read in the in uh, you know various uh, press clippings from various teams. But for example, when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, they had spark plugs named David Ross, spark plug named Dexter Fowler, and a spark plug named John Lackey. Now, If I had owned the Cubs, would I have brought each one of those guys back? Yes. Would I have re-signed Arietta? Yes. What you have now is, you know, I'm not sure how much spark plug or heart or chemistry the Cubs have in, in going for them other than Joe Madden's karma, which can't be discounted. 
the Royals did the same thing. When they won the World Series in, in 1985 and also in 2015, they got rid of some of the bit players, the Jose Cardinals of the world, the Pete Lecox of the world, going back to 1985. And in 2015, they got rid of the Canes, and they got rid of the Zobras, and they got rid of, ultimately, Hosmer, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's a big deal. You may not, but... Um, one of the new formats on this podcast in the next couple of weeks is social media. We're going to come up with a Twitter account. We may do Instagram. I'm already on Facebook, but I really haven't used Facebook much. I'm really not high-tech, but I think I know people who know people that are high-tech, and we're going to go with them. So I've talked enough. I've gone on and on and on. Maybe, again, I either provide interesting information, not a lot of analysis, uh, or cure for insomnia. Any way you like it on the lighter side of baseball, appreciate your listening. And the listening audience grows. I get new listeners every day, people I don't know, but I appreciate them listening. And uh, we're going to talk more next time about Machado and Harper. We're going to talk about the Padres, what a great start they got off to. I'm excited about the Padres because my best listener out on the West Coast is a big Padres fan, and so I plan to be at Petco Park in August when the Cubs take on the Padres out there in uh, San Diego. And who wouldn't want to be in San Diego? My God, you got the zoo, you got the ocean, you got Catalina, no, Catalina Island. Hey, talk about Catalina, eh, next time, Catalina Island and my Uncle Gus and the new Catalina Club at the Wrigley Field. We'll talk more about the clubs next time, maybe, if I remember. But that's it for now. We're going to sign off. Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball found at SoundCloud for now. Maybe we'll have some news to report on a new area you can hear the podcast. Maybe not. But at any rate, it's a beautiful day. I'm heading to the golf course, and, uh, man, all the leaves are starting to bud. The grass is getting green for all of us that don't have a ground crew. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, May for baseball at Wrigley Field and maybe Miller Park and maybe Sox Park, and you never know, maybe up to Detroit, Motor City for a day. So there you have it. This is Jamie Ruski on the other side of baseball. Have a great day, and we'll be talking to you in the next week.